Throughout these sessions, we have defined hope as the bedrock guarantee of a future inheritance rooted in a past event. In this session, I want us to examine the future benefits of that past event for every one of us who believe in the Lord Jesus Christ. We continue our study back in 1 Peter chapter 1, verse 3. Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who according to his great mercy has caused us to be born again to a living hope through the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead, to obtain an inheritance which is imperishable and undefiled and will not fade away, reserved in heaven for you. Our hope is a living hope because our Lord is a risen Lord. Any hope that we have as believers is rooted in that first Easter morning. So I want us to take a few moments to look back at that first Easter. We're going to examine several passages of Scripture as they relate to the hope you and I have because Jesus is no longer in that grave. I want us to begin our little journey through Easter in what may seem to be a strange biblical place. The Gospel of John chapter 11, at least strange as it relates to the discussion before us this session. John chapter 11 contains the narrative of the death of Jesus's sweet friend, Lazarus. Lazarus has been sick. Jesus is told that Lazarus is not well. He waits three days before he travels to see Lazarus, Mary, and Martha. In that period of time, Lazarus dies. And we pick up the narrative in John chapter 11, beginning with verse 17. John writes, so when Jesus came, he found that he had already been in the tomb four days. Lazarus had been dead four days. Now Bethany was near Jerusalem, about two miles off. And many of the Jews had come to Martha and Mary to console them concerning their brother. So all of these friends had heard the news. They had come to console Mary and Martha about the death of their brother, but Jesus had waited. He had delayed intentionally. We pick it up in verse 20. Martha, therefore, when she heard that Jesus was coming, went to meet him, but Mary stayed at the house. Martha then said to Jesus, Lord, if you had been here, my brother would not have died. Even now, I know that whatever you ask of God, God will give you. Jesus said to her, your brother will rise again. Martha said to him, I know that he will rise again in the resurrection on the last day. Jesus said to her, I am the resurrection and the life. Jesus declares, I am the resurrection. Listen to the implications of his resurrection for us. I am the resurrection and the life. Anyone who believes in me will live even if he dies. And everyone who lives and believes in him will never die. Do you 
believe this. Jesus makes the declaration, I am the resurrection. And then he shares with Mary the hope that is birthed out of his resurrection. He that believeth in me, even though he's dead, yet will he live. Or Luke, the 24th chapter. Luke, the 24th chapter, beginning in the 13th verse. This is after the death, the burial, and the resurrection. But these men on the road to Emmaus do not understand the implications of that perceived resurrection. In verse 13, and behold, two of them were going that very day to a village named Emmaus, which was about seven miles from Jerusalem. And they were talking with each other about all these things which had taken place. While they were talking and discussing, Jesus himself approached and began traveling with them. But their eyes were prevented from recognizing him. And he said to them, what are these things that you are exchanging with one another as you are walking? And they stood still looking sad. One of them named Cleopas answered and said to him, are you the only one visiting Jerusalem and unaware of the things which have happened here in these days? Cleopas looks at Jesus, not knowing it's Jesus, and pulls a bless your heart. Everything that's going on in this city and you are unaware of what is happening, bless your heart. You can only imagine the discipline of the Lord Jesus not to burst out in laughter at this scene. So Cleopas says, do you not know what's going on? Do you not have a clue what has happened in these days? And he said to them, what things? And they said to him, the things about Jesus, the Nazarene, who was a prophet, mighty indeed, and word in the sight of God and all the people, and how the chief priest and our rulers delivered him to the senses of death, sentence of death and crucified him. Here's the key verse I want us to, to really zero in on. Verse 21, but we were hoping. Do you hear it? Past tense, we were hoping, but no longer are. We were hoping that it was he who was going to redeem Israel. Indeed, beside all these things, it is the third day since these things happened. But also some women among us amazed us. When they were at the tomb early in the morning and did not find his body, they came saying that they had also seen a vision of angels who said that he was alive. Some of those who were with us went to the tomb and found it just exactly as the women also had said, but him they did not see. Wow. For these men, hope, any hope, was rooted in the resurrection of Jesus Christ. And because in their minds Jesus was dead, in their hearts hope was dead. But we continue. We pick it up again in verse 25. And he said to them, O foolish men, and slow of heart to believe in all that the prophets have spoken. Was it not necessary for Christ to suffer these things and to enter into his glory? Then beginning with Moses and with all the prophets, 
He explained to them the things concerning himself in all the scriptures. And they approached the village where they were going, and he acted as though he were going further. But they urged him, saying, Stay with us, for it is getting toward evening, and the day is now nearly over. So he went in to stay with them. When he had reclined at the table with them, he took the bread and blessed it, and breaking it, he began giving it to them. Then their eyes were opened, and they recognized him, and he vanished from their sight. In their minds, when Jesus died, hope died. However, when they recognized that it was Jesus in front of them, their hope came exploding out of their souls. Now, with that understanding, let's revisit a passage we looked at last session. 1 Corinthians, the 15th chapter. 1 Corinthians, the 15th chapter. We pick it up in verse 20. But now Christ has been raised from the dead. I love the confidence of Paul. Listen, it is not optimism. It is fact. He has risen. The first fruits of those who are asleep. For since by a man came death, by a man also came the resurrection of the dead. But what does that resurrection mean to you and me? Verse 21, for since a man came death, by a man also came the resurrection of the dead. For as in Adam all die, so also in Christ all will be made alive. But each in his own order, Christ the first fruits, after that those who are Christ at his coming. That is our hope. But remember, as we said at the beginning of the session, hope is a bedrock guarantee of a future inheritance rooted in a past event. Since we have looked exhaustively at the past event, let's take some time to look at this future inheritance. Back in 1 Peter chapter 1, verse 4, to obtain an inheritance which is imperishable and undefiled and will not fade away, reserved in heaven for you. What is an inheritance? When we hear the word or we talk about the phrase inheritance, it's generally connected with the passing of a loved one. And we talk about an inheritance. An inheritance is something earned or purchased by someone else that is then passed on to us. When you receive an inheritance, that inheritance was earned or purchased by a loved one. But at their death, it was then passed on to you. You did not earn it. You did not pay for it. Someone else paid the purchase price, and you there are the beneficiary of it. It has been passed on to you. That is an inheritance. But notice where this inheritance is located. Peter says, again in verse 4, to obtain an inheritance which is imperishable and undefiled and will not fade away, reserved in heaven for you. Where is this inheritance? Peter says this inheritance is in heaven. Not only is it in heaven, it is being reserved. 
The uh, verb being is a present active indicative, meaning a continuous, ongoing activity. It is at this very moment, and it will continue to be reserved for you. Well, that covers the idea of inheritance, but what does it mean to be reserved? What is a reservation? When you call a restaurant and you make a reservation, that implies that there is a table specifically set aside for you. It is yours. It is solely yours. It is exclusively yours. It is yours and yours only. No one else can use that table. Why not? Because that table is your table. It is a reservation. It has been set aside. It has been marked for you and only you. So when we talk about a reservation being reserved specifically for us, exclusively for us, and no one but us, what is this inheritance that is reserved solely, exclusively, specifically for us? In the last book of the Bible, the book of Revelation, we find letters written to seven churches scattered throughout Asia Minor. And at the end of each letter, we find a nugget regarding our future inheritance. In Revelation chapter 2, verse 1, the letter penned to the church at Ephesus. And we go to the end of that particular letter, and the Lord Jesus declares, He who has an ear, let him hear what the Spirit says to the churches. To him who overcomes, I will grant to eat of the tree of life, which is in the paradise of God. What is one element of our inheritance? The right to eat of the tree of life, which is in the paradise of God. Continuing in Revelation chapter 2, the letter to the church at Smyrna ends with these words. He who has an ear, let him hear what the Spirit says to the churches. He who overcomes will not be hurt by the second death. Another part of our inheritance is the fact that we will not be hurt by the second death. The last session we said you and I have one of two eternal options. Option number one, we can be born once and die twice. The second death is the lake of fire, or we can be born twice and die once. We have the assurance that if we repent of our sin, place our faith in Jesus, make him Savior, Lord of our life, we will not be touched by that second death. We continue in Revelation chapter 2, the letter to the church at Pergamum ends with this little nugget. To him who overcomes, to him I will give some of the hidden manna, and I will give him a white stone and a new name written on the stone, which no one knows but he who receives it. Another part of your inheritance, you will be given a new white stone with a brand new name. We continue in Revelation chapter 2, the letter to the church at Thyatira, which ends with these words. Nevertheless, what you have, hold fast until I come. He who overcomes and he who keeps my deeds until the end, to him 
I will give authority over the nations, and he shall rule them with a rod of iron, as the vessels of the potter are broken to pieces, as I also have received authority from my father, and I will give him the morning star. He who has an ear, let him hear what the Spirit says to the churches. Golden nuggets regarding our inheritance. In Revelation chapter 3, we find the letter to the church at Sardis, which ends, He who overcomes will thus be clothed in white garments, and I will not erase his name from the book of life, and I will confess his name before my Father and before his angels. He who has an ear, let him hear what the Spirit says to the churches. The letter to the church of Philadelphia he who overcomes, I will make him a pillar in the temple of my God, and he will not go out from it anymore. And I will write on him the name of my God and the name of the city of my God, the new Jerusalem, which comes down out of heaven from my God and my new name. He who has an ear, let him hear what the Spirit says to the churches. The final letter to one of these churches, the letter to the church of Laodicea, he who overcomes, I will grant to him to sit down with me on my throne as I also overcame and sat down with my father on his throne. He who has an ear, let him hear what the Spirit says to the churches. Each of those letters written to the seven churches provide us with some insight, show us a nugget of our future inheritance. But that is not all. The Lord Jesus himself in the Gospel of John the 14th chapter, do not let your heart be troubled. Believe in God, believe also in me. Here it comes. In my father's house are many mansions. If it were not so, I would have told you. I go to prepare a place for you. And if I go and prepare a place for you, I will come again and receive you to myself that where I am, there you may be also. And you know the way where I am going. Thomas said to him, Lord, we do not know where you are going. How do we know the way? Jesus said to him, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father but through me. Jesus says there is a mansion. There is a glorious, exciting, opulent dwelling place waiting for those of us who know the name of Jesus. Paul at the end of his life in 2 Timothy. Paul in 2 Timothy shares with us one other insight into our future inheritance in 2 Timothy chapter 4. 2 Timothy being Paul's last letter in fact, there is great speculation that as Timothy reads this letter, he is reading it through a torrent of tears because his beloved mentor has died. But Paul, in writing his farewell address in chapter 4 of 2 Timothy, beginning with verse 5, that you be sober in all things, endure hardship, do the work of an evangelist, fulfill your ministry, for I am already being poured out with drink offering, and the time of my departure has come. I have fought the good fight. I have finished the course. I have kept the faith. 
In the future, notice not past, not present, in the future, there is laid up for me the crown of righteousness, which the Lord, the righteous judge, will award to me on that day. You may think, Paul, it's great for you. What about me? He continues, and not only to me, but also to all who have loved his appearing. Wow. Nuggets, treasures revealed in Scripture regarding our future inheritance. No wonder the Lord Jesus stated with such conviction in the Sermon on the Mount, lay not up for yourselves treasures on earth where moth and rust doth corrupt and where thieves break through and steal, but lay up for yourselves treasures in heaven where neither moth nor rust doth corrupt and where thieves cannot break through and steal. For where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. Jesus knew well the potential and the promise of this treasure being reserved for us in heaven and the hope and the encouragement that it offers to us even in the midst of life's most horrific storms. Now think about the implications of this inheritance for you and me right now. What does that do to encourage us now? Well, here it is. You may be a pauper here, but you will be a prince there. You may be homeless here, but you will have a mansion there. You may wear nothing but rags here, but you will wear white robes there. Your brow may be scarred with the crown of persecution here, but you will wear a crown of righteousness there. But wait, there is even more. Back to 1 Peter chapter 1, verse 4. I want you to notice what else Peter has to say about this future inheritance being reserved for us. In verse 4, to obtain an inheritance, here it is, which is imperishable and undefiled and will not fade away. Peter says our inheritance is imperishable, undefiled, and will not fade away. But what does that mean? Because it is imperishable, it cannot be touched or tarnished by death. Because it is undefiled, it cannot be stained or spoiled by evil. Because it will not fade away, it cannot be impaired or diminished by time. That is the future inheritance guaranteed for us because of a past event, the resurrection of the Lord Jesus Christ. Aren't you glad hope for the child of God is not wishful thinking nor blind optimism? But how secure is our future inheritance? That, my friends, is the question that we will tackle in our next session. Until then, keep your eye on the sky, because that is where our...
God's word. I hope you found these sessions to be both inspiring and challenging. None of us want to stay where we are. As we said in one of our sessions, we want to get so close to him that it's no big change on that day when Jesus calls my name. You can follow us on YouTube, Word Power Media Ministry, Instagram, Word Power Media Ministry, or whatever podcast you happen, server you happen to use, again, Word Power Media Ministry. And please, if you've been inspired by what you have seen, if we have helped you grow in your faith, please tell others about us. It is a word-of-mouth ministry, and we need your help. If you'd like to reach out and encourage us, you can send us an email, wordpowermm at gmx.com. But we would love to know how we have encouraged you. So please reach out to us. Thank you for joining us. Have a blessed day.